Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So have you ever been in your world thinking, nobody understands this, nobody can see this, nobody can get this, but what you really need is to just peel back the layers on your everyday life. And really get into what it means to be like getting deep into your world and realizing, yes, your life is your one of a kind life. But what happens when we start to peel the layers back and we make other people see things that, hey, it's just a human experience and we're all experiencing very, very similar things. Well, today we're going to dive into what it means to peel those layers back, to be really open about who you are and what you do. And we're going to get to know a singer that I've just gotten to know, never met her before until this moment, but been listening to her music ever since her PR agency said, hey, let's have a chat about this. And that's why I'm bringing her, Christine Sacco, to Life Uncloseted, because I feel like sometimes you just got to have some fun. You got to hear some music and you got to, well, you got to hear somebody else's story because we may all be in our own closets, but on the other side of those closet doors is somebody else who's having an experience. So Christine, welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I'm totally stoked to have a fellow Californian here. So, so happy to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I want to make sure, because I didn't ask this before we got on the air, but that's okay. Podcasters fuck up every once in a while too. So (laughs) did I say your last name correctly? Is it Sato? You said it perfectly. You must have like some sort of Japanese knowledge. You nailed it. You nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I always get nervous right before people are about to say it. I'm like, they're going to screw it up. I know they're going to screw it up. (laughs) They're going to fuck it up. They're going to fuck it up. And, you know, it's so funny because I go through this all the time, too. Not because my name is hard to pronounce, but it's always getting misspelled. Clemens. Oh, C-L-E-M-E-N-S. No. Oh, two M's. No. Oh, (laughs) E-N-T-S. No, it's not Clements. It's Clemens. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I'm excited to just, I always love the opportunities to talk to performers, songwriters, singers, because you bring your beautiful creativity to these conversations, but you also bring a realness to why this particular song or this track or this album really needed to come out of you and be expressed. And um, Mm -hmm. I know you have, you have some, some influences like Avril Lavigne is one of them. Oh yeah. 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 Number one. Yeah. Makes me feel old because I have two millennials in my life and Avril Lavigne was like their big person they followed. I'm like, okay, so (laughs) pops here knows Avril Lavigne very, very well. I'm trying to think now, did I, I don't think I've been to one of her concerts. Maybe I have. I know both it, the I've girls seen it have three been. Times. Okay, it was that's awesome. Amazing each time. <laughs> so why? So why is she such a big influence for you? Oh gosh, I like you know I liked the music. I think at the time I was like probably listening to like Destiny's Child or something oh. like that, and <laughs> I was watching MTV. I was sitting in my living room at home, at my parents' house, and I saw Complicated come on MTV, mm-hmm. and I was like this 
this girl is so different than every other female that I've seen, you know, either usually females were in a group or if they were playing, it was like something like heavier, like Lannis Morissette or something like that. But for some reason, I saw like this person who was like, you know, maybe close to my age, who was just kind of being like, I don't give a fuck about what anyone else is doing. And I know a lot of that was part of her like marketing image and everything, but like, I just felt like very seen for some reason. And it really made me want to be able to like express myself in a similar manner that she did, because it was just so inspiring to see someone just kind of have this very, you know, a rebellious sort of like nature to her. And I thought it was like very cool. (laughs) And the tie tie did it for me. (laughs) Yeah. But, but the other thing too, that I, that you just said is she made people feel very seen. Mm -hmm. Just her lyrics and the way she showed up in the, and there's been many, many singers that do this. I mean, Madonna, Lady Gaga, it's all like, just be seen, just be Mm -hmm. you. But what I like about the different various genres is they all come at it from their own unique space. Right. And even as I was listening to Seasoned, I'm like, this is coming from a unique space that, uh, yeah, there's bits of it. I'm like, oh, that sounds like, oh, and then I'm like, well, that sounds, but, but it's you, it's you. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think all of us as queer, gay, bi, trans, whatever you want to, whatever label we're going to put on ourselves, that um, I think it's all about, we just want to be very seen not because we want to have ego but we want to be seen yeah because I think representation is very important and even if you know even if I'm not like shouting from the rooftops that I'm queer in a song and I'm like for example I've gone through like certain songs where I'll use female pronouns when I'm talking about a love interest and then sometimes I'm like maybe I won't do that because sometimes you do want to have like an audience that can like put themselves in the in the narrator's shoes and sort of like you know go along with it so I don't like to pigeonhole the music too much but sometimes I'm like this song is like very personal it's very much about a specific experience and in those cases like I'll, I'll use female pronouns or whatever but I think I think that that's very important in those songs where I do sort of like come out in those songs. I think that like, even though it's, I realize I don't have the largest audience in the world, but I think that even if a couple of people listen to it and are like, wow, like that person's like me and she's talking about like liking a girl, that's, I think that's very important, especially for young people who like are just so used to seeing like heteronormative songs mm-hmm. being shoved in their ears and you right. know, they, they just don't, they don't, you know, hear themselves in these like a lot of very, very popular people where a lot of other people are able to relate to the music they they might not be able to. But that piece of, oh, I may not have, you know, the biggest audience or whatever. Here's something that I've learned as a podcaster. I, I'm not knocking down millions of downloads a month either. <laughs> but what I can tell you is the thousands of downloads I'm knocking down every month are people who are very loyal. There are people who are like, I, I, and you know, I'm not trying to stroke my own ego here, but when I get coaching clients, because that's the predominance of what my business is all about, Mm -hmm. 95% of the time they're like, oh yeah, I've listened to your podcast and I finally realized it was time to like have a conversation. So it's those interesting moments when we realize, oh, wow, we don't think we're having this like huge impact. And then suddenly somebody says, oh, I've been listening to your podcast. I remember it's probably been three years ago. I was in LA bopping around, seeing some clients, doing some coaching. And at the time my kids were like really into like, Ooh, let's shop at the resale shop. So I saw a couple of like Buffalo exchange and a couple of them like, okay, let me just bop in there and see if I see something 
you know, for the kids. And then of course yeah. I walk out of there buying like, Oh, I got these, <laughs> dad, I got this shirt. It was all about me at that point. But yeah. what was so interesting about that is I'm in there and I'm like, okay, w- watching people around me mm-hmm. and just seeing how they all showed up in LA is such an interesting place to see how people show up for sure. Yeah. But just embracing the fact that, Hey, this is kind of cool. This is kind of how people do these things. Mm-hmm. And it's only about individuality, which is yeah. the thing I think most of us are saying, just let me be me plain and simple. Right. Yeah. So I noticed in your bio that you started out with a band in like 2009. Mm -hmm. And was that the very first time you're like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be a singer. Was it like, or was it something from a very young age? You're like, I am going to do this. I'm really going to go do this. I actually started playing in, in 2002. So like literally right after I heard complicated on the radio, I was like, dad, I need a guitar. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I remember like at one point, like every time my parents would like leave, I would just like open all the windows in my house. And like my dad bought me like this acoustic amp and I got a microphone and I would just like play songs, like some covers. And then I started writing in high school. Um, and I just remember thinking like, it would be so cool if I could like play at the school pep rally at like the beginning of the year. I just thought that would be like the coolest thing if people were like, oh my God, she like has a talent or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so I started recording just like using like audacity or something, you know, a very, right. really simple recorder. And I would, I would go on aim and tell people like, Hey, I found this thing on the internet. Cause I was super like, I didn't know if it was good or not because I was the only one that was listening to it. And so I would send it to people and be like, I found this thing on the internet. Like, what do you think of it? And people were like, Oh, that sounds really nice. And so then I started being like, Oh, haha, it's me. Like, mm. and sort of, yeah, sort of like revealing the fact that like I was playing music. And so that's like where I got my start. And then in college I started, I kept, I kept with it and started using GarageBand, learned like production quality a little bit more. And that's when right. I started doing the band stuff. And that was like a t- completely different caliber, like even from like going from a solo thing to being a part of a band and then going from like just playing in my living room to like touring all over. It was a very, very different experience. But I think that that did open my eyes to like what, you know, is possible. And I think that's important to not limit yourself, you know? So what is possible when you start to release yourself is such an interesting journey to start to take. I remember back in 2006 when I got laid off from my last job and I'm like, I'm done. I am so fucking done building other people's businesses. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And I was really nervous to like go out on my own Mm -hmm. because it's like, I've been doing this for so long. I knew this work and everything but yet I just, I couldn't do it again. I just absolutely yeah. couldn't. And then I finally said, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to go do. And it was scary and it was uncomfortable. And it was like a whole nother coming out process all over again. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, here we go. People think I'm crazy. People are going, you're throwing your life away. And I'm like, well, isn't this interesting? I just heard all this shit like seven years ago when I came this out of the closet. Familiar. <laughs> yeah, this feels very familiar, you know? And it was interesting to see the parallels that started to show up. And I loved when I was reading through some of your PR material and your PR person said, you really peel back the layers of everyday problems. And I thought, that's really interesting when you start to think about how somebody can do that through art, with words, with music, with 
theater with just being who they are is to help people mm -hmm. really peel back those everyday problems. So I'm curious for the listeners, what was the everyday problem that you were trying to peel back with your new song seasoned? Um, that was a particular layer. Um, <laughs> I, had, I knew that. Uh, That's why I'm asking the question. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Over there. <laughs> Did someone prep you? Um, so yeah, I mean, I had been, I hadn't written like a song that I knew I was going to release in a while, like a couple of years. And I had been right during quarantine. I started writing a little bit more again. I got a new piano and I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get back out there. But every time I wrote it was very abstract it seemed like I was like pulling from like something that happened years ago or whatever and then I was like going through this experience of like going through like the dating process which is extra fun during COVID um oh I can but... only imagine <laughs> thank awesome. god I'm married and didn't have to worry about that but um yeah you lucked out there yeah. um but well, yeah I, mean, I don't I... know about that there's another side of okay now you're like stuck in this house with the same person that you love that's but um that's yeah, true total different experience yeah silver lining I guess um yeah so you know I was going through an experience where I liked someone and I thought that they liked me too but they weren't like showing it in the way that like you would that that what that one would like to be shown that someone has you know feelings for them so I was kind of like well, that's kind of weird and I was I'm, I'm in general a very open and like communicative person so I feel like you know if I'm gonna do that I would like to think that I could ask the same of someone else apparently that's not true and I understand everyone's different um but it didn't work out because you know I it, to be honest, because it's relevant, I guess, to this podcast, that particular person was not out mm -hmm. and wasn't like, and I didn't like know this, like when we started dating. And then it, I think it just started to become a bigger issue than I thought that it was going to be. And it was very, it's like the only time it's ever happened to me in my life. But yeah, it didn't work out because the person was having doubts about if they were gay or not. And I was like, well, that's a weird slap in the face but okay. oh girl girl let me tell you we could we could go down this path so many times i've been there with so many clients it's like i luckily have only been through that one time yeah it's so. a crazy ride though you know oh, it's God. very crazy and i get it because i was one of those guys i was married for 13 years to a woman yeah. and and i now I never dated, I never quote dated anybody in those 13 years. I fooled around a whole lot, which anybody who listens to this podcast knows that, but there wasn't like, let's go on a date thing because I would have really been fucked up. I'm like, okay, it's hard yeah. enough just having random sex with somebody and trying to like keep your head on straight while you're hiding in the closet. Mm -hmm. But this thing is, it's one of the biggest challenges I, I've seen with people I've worked with. We're like, so yeah, I'm dating this person. And suddenly they're like, well, I'm not really out. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like whoa, now what do we do with this? Because you want to be sympathetic to some degree, but it's like, yeah. not quite sure how that's going to work. You know, it, just Especially does, very, it, it does weird things to your psyche because you're like, you know, for some people I know, you like work so hard to like be as to be able to be as open as you can be and then to right. like start you know start a relationship with someone who is completely in the space that you hated for so long and then right. wanting to get out of it's like i don't want to be right back into that place right. again I'm, I'm i just okay recently we, i just recently had a friend of ours kind of go through a similar situation mm -hmm. met somebody and the 
I'm going to be very careful how I do all this. So the person who she was like seen was freshly coming out of the closet from a heterosexual marriage and immediately dove into this relationship. And then there were issues starting to happen and then it just wasn't going to work. And I, I, yeah. I, I just kind of knew, I mean, and I'm not super close to this friend. It's more my husband's friend. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I, I don't see that working. I don't see that yeah. working with this friend. And then lo and behold, they kind of break up, then they get back together, but then they finally like, okay, this just isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And like literally less than a month later, the ex mm -hmm. is announcing on Facebook that she's now engaged and getting married to this other gal. And I'm like, what? Here's another, I feel like you know, that happens. That it does. happens. It's, yes. it's very weird. It's very weird. It's never the first person. It's like, this, it's always the next one after that. But So here's the thing that's so interesting about this. And, I, and this is, I'm so glad we're talking about this around your song because it's around like seeing people for their own insecurity. A majority oh, yeah. of people who do that sort of like stupid dance into, okay, well, I'm going to go to this. And suddenly I'm, it's like, they don't want to be alone. They yeah. don't want to go figure out and work on their shit. That's what it yeah. comes down to. And yeah. so as you're writing this in your solitude, in your own little room, did you, did you like, okay, this is, this is really good. I'm glad I had this time to be like in solitude to do this. Or you're just like, Hey, I'm just doing the song. It's been a couple of years. Where was your own head in that journey? There it's funny. Cause I was just talking about this a couple of days ago, but I, that was one of the songs where it was like very cathartic for me to write. Mm. Like, cause at the time that I wrote it, it, like it had, the situation hadn't ended yet. It ended like the next week, but I was still like very confused about what was going on, but I felt like it was like going downhill and I needed to write it just to be like, okay, this is an experience that is happening. I need to write it down. So everyone knows that I'm not just like making this shit up. <laughs> like right. it did happen. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was like, it was nice for me to be like, okay, it like, there's like an arc to it. Like it has some sort of like, like something good can come out of the situation, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was very, um, it was helpful for me in the, to process the whole thing, to be able to write it, which doesn't happen a hundred percent of the time that I write right. stuff, but it you know, it's interesting. I, so my husband and I got on a cruise ship 10th, 11th, something like that of February in 2020. Mm -hmm. So right before everything like exploded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I had been saying, okay, I'm going to get book number two. It's going to, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to start writing and had I known on that cruise ship that the writing I started while we we're, you know, I, I had some of it kind of outlined and all this stuff, but I like, I got really serious, like, okay. And this was like a last minute, like, Hey, let's just go on a cruise because my husband's starting a new job. And I'm like, okay, well, we're, it's not like, Ooh, we've been waiting for a year to go on this vacation. Right. right? It wasn't that right. sort of thing. It's like, okay, we're just doing this. Right. So I didn't feel mm -hmm. bad about like, okay, I'm taking my computer and I'm going to write and, you know, Cause there wasn't, we hadn't been, we'd been to most places we were going. And so I start writing and I get going and it was really good. I'm like, Oh, this just makes me feel really good. I'm doing this, you know, in, mm -hmm. in your words, a kind of cathartic, but okay. I'm finally, yeah. I'm finally like kicked myself in the ass and we're starting book number two, finally. And then COVID hit. I could not write to save my ass. Uh because I'm like, okay, well, all this other shit's now going on in the world. And do I want to spend time writing a book or should I be staying focused on this? And then, then this, and then, mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because I had all that. I didn't have a lot of downtime because luckily in my world, 
as soon as COVID hit, a lot of people started going, oh, I need a coach. <laughs> you know, <laughs> life's going to hell in the handbaskets and all this sort of stuff. But it's been interesting to watch that journey with myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Every time now I do pick up the book and I work on it, because I try to work on it at least once a week right now, we're, we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. It is this cathartic release. It's not the same as when I wrote my first book about my coming out experience. This one's a total, I mean, it's kind of similar book, but it's for, it's for everyone. Even the heterosexuals will get something out of this book. Okay. But that cathartic release is so empowering. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you that. I don't know for me, every time I write, it's like, okay, that shit's now off my chest. Now let's, you yeah. know, what's the next thing? And not that it's all bad. I mean, some of what I'm writing, it's like, it's not about the shit. It's like the joy of, you know, when you, when you gain the confidence or you, you finally say, okay, I'm committing to doing this or, oh, I'm going to get really curious about something in life. But those things are what I feel like bring us around to our truth. Yeah. So I'm curious for you as you went through that and, you know, I'm not even going to say sorry it happened because I get so tired of people going, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm, say, I'm glad it didn't go any further than it Thank did. you very much. Because <laughs> what I was going to say is I'm happy for you that it didn't go any further than it needed to. Yeah. Think about yeah. how many times you go, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm sure that was tough, but I just want to tell you, I'm really happy that it didn't do anything yeah. more for you than that, because you're probably going to be in a better place. Which still like, sounds honestly, very coachy and like therapeutic, <laughs> but, but um, I think it took you somewhere different more than likely. Yeah. And one of the like plan words about the title of the song season is that like one of them was because I, I was in like this weird pattern for like several years for like the past, like seven or eight years, like where, when I was in a relationship, it would start in the fall and end like in early winter. And so I was like, Oh, this is like a very seasonal thing. Like Christine just gets in a relationship at the same time at this, at this season every time. So that was like part of that, the title there. But then also just the fact that like, when I was writing it, I was like, I feel like, we, like if you remove the specific situation about the person not knowing if they were gay or not, like a lot of the things I was writing about was like the theme of of people being insecure and then the theme of me wanting to communicate and all of these things which I had experienced before in different ways and with different people but it was happening and I was like I could have written this three years ago and it would have been very similar and how I look at it is that like like you were saying like you could just say like oh I wish it never happened but then if it never happened you can't learn from it so I would rather look at it as being this experience where you can walk away saying like okay I'm not going to do that again. Right. <laughs> and, and this is how I would approach a similar situation differently. And I just think that it's very important to be able to like view those, those negative experiences as stepping stones instead of things that just bog you down and like, you can't move forward after that. So as a guy who's quite a bit older than you, <laughs> here's what I saw in the title of the song. And I love this, what you just explained, but then when I saw the title and I listened to it and I know some of the backstory about all this, I see seasoned as, Hey, I'm seasoned because I'm a little more seasoned now. I've got a little yeah, more experience. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly and, what it yeah. And, but yeah, I also like, as you were saying, so every season, you know, it'd be winter and I'd start a relationship. I'm like, so girl, did you do like a runway show? Like, okay, here's the next one. Here we go. You know, Trust but me, it, it was not on purpose. It's never been on purpose. The shit just happens to me. Well, yeah, no. And I think, I, but what's interesting is I think it happens to a lot of people that way mm-hmm. because you start a relationship and then it ends and then there's a recovery 
for most okay. of us. Other, some people, their recovery is like, okay, so two days from now, oh, look, I've got a, you know, right, a new girlfriend, right. right? But there is this pattern of repeating. And I've been, in fact, we just, <laughs> we had a, a fun little exercise in our team meeting this week for the company that I do coaching for. And the, it was the two, two truths and a lie game. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew the truth that was going to stump everybody, but I'm like, okay, these, this other truth needs to be something that I think most people might know, but the lie has got to be really good. And so the, the lie I said is I've been in my current, I've been currently married half my lifetime, more than half my lifetime. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, well, the trick in that whole statement is currently my right. current marriage is not more than half my lifetime. My, this is right. my second marriage and it's only been, we always have to talk about this. When did we get married? We got married in 2014. We've been together since 19 or 2001. Mm. So I knew most of my teammates wouldn't know all this, but if I combine the 20 years I've been with my husband and the 13 years I was with my wife, yes, I've been in committed relationships mm-hmm. more than half my life. But it's such an interesting thing when you play around with these sort of things and you realize that season of Mm -hmm. being in relationships for me has always been, I got out to six months, rarely did it get to the six months. Within three months, I was in something. Now, they usually lasted quite a while, not as long as 13 years or 20 years, but in those interim, Mm -hmm. little short interim periods, my season was almost, uh, most of my friends could say, oh yeah, he's going to be okay. He's going to meet somebody, boom. And then he's going to go away. And then he's going to meet somebody, boom. It was such an interesting, interesting pattern to see. And you like, look, you reflect in where you're like, what am I doing? But it's, right. it's, it's baffling. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to think because let's see, 13 years, and it was so funny. So when my husband and I were getting close to the 13 year mark, I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> He'd never been in a relationship that long, but I have. Yeah. And he hadn't been in, a, it wasn't like he was a big hoe, just like, oh no, I, no. He'd, been, <laughs> he'd been in some fairly long relationships, three, four years at a time. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to go, okay, is this the new season? Is this like, you know, I'm going to hit 13 and everything's going to explode. Uh, Interestingly, it did a little bit in weird ways. Like you just kind of got to get used to each other in a, every mm-hmm. fight, you know, they talk about the seven year itch. Well, that just can kind of repeats itself. <laughs> seven years, mm-hmm. something else kind of comes up, but it's such an interesting way to look at your life and see the seasonality of the things that yeah. continue to show up and show up and show up. Yeah, so what do you feel like strange. the thing is, is you, you learn the most from that whole experience? Um, from that experience. That you're not a lesbian and you're like, no, I'm, I'm going after Dick now. You know? <laughs> that is the opposite experience. I don't think I've had any experience where that was the outcome. I can promise you that right now. It's so um, funny because everybody's like, so when are you going to go back to pussy? I'm like, mm, never. <laughs> I mean, I love women. I think they're beautiful, but yeah, been there, done that. I should never really been there, but I'm like grateful I did because I have two beautiful kids. But it is mm-hmm. so funny to ask those questions and like, uh, no, that's not just fake. A, and there's always, it always seems to be somebody in our world. I don't know, maybe not in your world, but I watched this with friends in there and they're like, yeah, so I broke up with my boy. And of course, you know, Aunt Mabel, she's like, so does this mean you're now going back to girls? <laughs> So terrible it's so terrible any breakup is like a sign from god yes <laughs> it's like go yes. just go be go what god intended you to be exactly um 
I mean, but back I, to the question, what do you feel like you, you know, <laughs> what do you feel like you most got from that experience? That particular experience one is, and this is something that I had, I had learned before, but it was a very, very slap in the face reminder is that like, you could, you can feel and think one thing in a situation or in a relationship and the other person is completely thinking and feeling something different. And I don't know, I don't know why that is and why that's allowed to happen in this universe. I don't think it's very fair, but you know, life isn't fair. Um, but yeah, mainly just like things aren't always what they seem and that you should probably take a step back every so often just to make, to keep yourself in check and just make sure that you're like being real with not only yourself, but like the situation and be realistic and try to set your expectations a little bit more, um, you know, in tune with what what's actually happening instead of what's happening in your little Well, it, it's world. called really checking in. It's really yeah. like checking in with you and checking in with the relationship. I mean, mm -hmm. we've been together 20 years and there are times that we become numb to the relationship and we just get through the day. And suddenly one day we wake up and it's like, we haven't really talked to each other much, have we? <laughs> And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that's how you were feeling. Mm -hmm. But, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. You haven't really been doing that. Oh, yeah. So we get up, we do this. And, and especially, you know, quarantine COVID, you know, we're both working in the same house, even to this day. Um, he's mm -hmm. down the stairs right now. I locked him away. said, you can't come out, bitch, until I tell you we're free and done here. So, but um, it's interesting because we will, I mean, we will spend all day kind of doing our thing. He's much better at checking in. So now everybody's going, oh, you're such an asshole, Rick. He's really good about checking in. How you doing? I'm like, I'm good, but I'm getting ready to get on a call, bitch. So leave me alone. Um, but it, it is an interesting thing that if you don't do the check-ins first, mm -hmm. and I'm going to replete this, everybody listening, check in with yourself and with yourself and go, hey, is this is this working? Are you feeling mm -hmm. good about it? Are you saying, you know, feeling stuff that you're not sharing? Because if you're holding all that crap in, <laughs> there's probably some things that need to be said. And I love when you said, so you feel like things are this way, but yet the other person is saying, uh, no, that's not at <laughs> all. That's usually when the problems are biggest, number one, because yeah. they're not getting shared and communicated. But that says, hey, we really need to be doing some some pretty major check-ins, you know, mm -hmm. to make this thing kind of work. Yeah. So speaking yeah. of checking in, and I and only because I really do give a damn about this shit. As an Asian American, mm -hmm. how are you feeling in these crazy times right now? So mm, this has been a this has been a fun topic to talk about with so many people. Um I feel like I'm in like a little bit of a unique circumstance in that like I'm actually 100% Japanese. Um, my parents were both born in Minnesota and my grandparents, all of them except for one, were born in California. So I'm very Americanized. Yeah. Um, but like my grandparents were in internment camps. Like it's like right. we experienced like some shitty stuff um, and still do, obviously. Um, but I grew up in a very, very, very like privileged white suburban suburb outside of Minneapolis mm -hmm. and so when I grew up all I saw around me were like white people and then that's like literally how I saw myself as I was yeah. growing up and so it just so the listeners know she is completely white I'm just letting you know I'm <laughs> kidding I'm kidding I'm Girl, on the inside. <laughs> well, but, but that's an interesting thing because you do 
you do kind of not see yourself in these ways depending it's on really the, strange yeah it's really strange because everyone else sees you in a very specific way and then right. you forget who you I remember I wasn't I was a freshman in college when I realized that like if I were to like birth a child that the child wouldn't be like a blonde haired blue eyed kid like that's mm. always how I pictured my kids I never pictured them to be like Asian right right and so like I guess now and even with, with like different you know represent like representation stuff like sometimes people are like oh like don't you not like that show because it doesn't seem like it has a very diverse cast and I'm like and I don't, I, th that doesn't register right. with me because like when I see like a bunch of white people on the screen, I'm like, oh yeah, that's just how things are. Cause that's when I grew up, that's what I saw everywhere, you know, right. in suburban Minnesota. So, um, it's, and, it's and you even, you even say Minnesota, like a white person, just say it. Yeah. Just letting you, I, let... I say Minnesota, like a Minnesotan. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's such an interesting, you know, place to play. And and that's why I asked the question because I'm always intrigued by this. I grew up as a very lower middle-class white kid, not like poverty, but we didn't have a ton of money at certain points in my life, mm -hmm. but I also grew up in kind of a hippie culture. And so suddenly I go off to, well, I was always in private schools, which is kind of weird. Okay. You're a hippie culture, but you're in private schools. <laughs> But I went off to a private high school and we had just moved from God knows why. We just moved from California, Colorado, Colorado, Arkansas. So Arkansas was like the first epiphany of this white boy don't fit in. Mm -hmm. And very first, what we called a week of prayer at the lovely religious school I went to. Mm -hmm. The principal in front of me with my parents walked up to us and said, very glad that you are here, but you know, we really need to talk about Rick's hair. Christian boys what? don't wear their hair below their ears. What? And I thought, wait, I come from California and Colorado where people with long hair, that's just, yeah, this is what I know. Right. You know, and I realized when I got to that school, it's like, okay, I kind of stand out here in a weird way. Not anything like you do as an Asian person, but it's that same thing. And all through all this craziness that continues to just rage across the planet and especially in our country right now, I always come back to the thing of, I feel very privileged as a gay man, mm -hmm. as a gay white man. Let's, let's go right there. Yeah. Because unless I say something about it, or unless okay. you listen to this podcast and go, girl, hear me go down, <laughs> right now, you could meet me on a street and probably never think anything. Okay. Maybe yeah. you feel sorry for me because I'm a bald guy. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. I, lo I love my bald and I rock it. And you, <laughs> you bitches go fuck off if you don't like it. So, but that's about as far as I can relate to people of color. Yeah. As soon as I open my mouth and say, I'm gay. Now I'm, I'm part of the marginalized community. Right. But even within that world, I'm not as marginalized because I'm yeah. a white guy. And you have work. to voluntarily elect to give up that information. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Whereas people in your world, Asian, Black, just go on down all the, all the different colors. It's just there. Yeah. You can't get rid of it. Right. Nor would you really want to.
that's the thing. I mean, so- I did. I wanted to when I was younger. I hated being different from everyone else, which is so funny because now like that's all I care about is being different than everyone else. I know. If y'all could see her, this girl, this girl <laughs> is tatted up all over the place. And so, but it isn't that interesting because these are the things and, you know, I so bad and I'm sure so I can relate to what you just said. I mm-hmm. so bad wanted to fit in in my lovely little church university or high school, even university. Mm-hmm. I went to Seventh-day Adventist University for the first two years of college before I just said, I'm done with this shit. But um, it was something I so badly wanted to fit in, mm-hmm. but yet I so badly wanted to be so different. Yeah. And I really was. I mean, I was the one who kind of pushed the envelope, especially not because I was doing drugs or anything like that. I just, I always pushed the envelope in my opinions, Mm -hmm. how I spoke about stuff, how I showed up on campus, not just because my hair was below my ears, God forbid, (laughs) but just, I would challenge, quote, like literally challenge the establishment. Yeah. Yet... On the flip side, I so badly wanted to be part of the establishment. Yeah. And I think that's part of what contributed to this really fucked up way I felt about myself as a gay man. Because I I came out at 19 and then I went back in the closet. Same. Oh, I didn't go back in, but. (laughs) See, we have some things in common. Uh, No, I went back in because I I was very naive. It was the early 80s and the AIDS epidemic was just starting. Not that that was the reason, but I I did have firsthand experience with that with a family member who passed away from that. And Mm -hmm. it all kind of like culminated in that space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how are you feeling at this stage? Because there's a lot of shit flying around right now. And I mean, I remember standing in LA not long ago, we had been, it was in early May. So things were just beginning to kind of open up a little bit here in California Uh for us. And it was my husband's birthday and was like the first real, like, okay, we're going to get out of town and going to kind of try to do something, you know? Mm -hmm. And we met some friends in LA, Mm -hmm. Asian friends. Oh, the best kind. Absolutely. Yes. Especially when they cook for you. And (laughs) we met him at a uh, restaurant right by the Grove in LA. Mm -hmm. And it was a, we met our Asian friends at a Mexican restaurant. It was so funny. Cause I told my <laughs> husband, we were, I said, so your final adventure, cause it was all like this mystery little tour thing that I put together oh, okay. for him. And I said, so your, for your final adventure on Sunday, we're going to have Mexican Asian fusion for lunch. And he's like, what is Mexican Asian fusion? I knew we were going to go to a Mexican restaurant and then our Asian friends. So there's the Mexican Asian fusion. Brunch, right. 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 <laughs> so we're standing outside the restaurant afterwards and there was a, a yogurt shop right next door mm-hmm. and the window, there was a small handwritten sign that said, Oh, what did it say? It said Blacks, Asians, Hispanics. And there was one other. We welcome Black, Asians, Hispanic, and even you white folks. Oh. And I thought, I'm standing in fucking LA. Why does somebody even have to put a sign like that in their window? But then I kind of bumped, you know, elbowed my buddy, my Asian friend, and said, hey, Paul, look at that. He goes, yeah. He goes, can you believe it? we're in LA, like a melting pot of this. And, yeah. and, you know, and I feel like that's probably the thing that's 
I, I feel that the most, not because I'm Asian or black or anything, but to just have to see that sort of stuff has to be really like unsettling. Yeah. It's, it's not settling. That's for sure. Right. Um, I like, I think that part of the, one of the things that I, I try not to like, I feel very privileged, like in a lot of different aspects of my life. And I've, I've faced a lot of racism, but it's been very, like, it's just been out of ignorance. There have been very, very, very few times where I felt like it was out of hate. I think a lot of it's just out of ignorance, um, which is a whole different, it's not good, but it could be worse. Um, But I just feel like I haven't, I honestly haven't really experienced the type of like true, like hate based off of like color of skin that people have and people I know have where I feel like I can't really, I don't want to like speak as if like, oh, I feel like a victim on behalf of my people. Like, I just don't feel right about saying something like that because not that I want anything really bad to happen to me, but I also just don't know, like I can empathize. I can, you know, try to put myself in someone else's shoes as much as possible. But like, I feel like I really just can't speak on behalf of people who like really experienced, especially this past year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But since we're here and before we wrap up there, because since we're talking about the race stuff and everything, I'm just curious. And I, I'm actually trying to like think through my 58, almost 58 year old head right now. If I've ever, if I've ever really had a conversation with a Asian queer woman about this, mm-hmm. I've had it with, with Asian men. Right. But do you feel that, have you ever felt that within our own community being an Asian queer woman? Oh, I've like based off of race stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've gotten the worst shit from lesbians than I've gotten from anyone. Yeah. Like straight white male like idiots have said like less weird things yeah. to me. Like the first the first month I moved out to San Diego from Minnesota, I went to gossip mm-hmm. over in Hellcrest, which is a lesbian bar, and I went by myself because I'm sociable and I like to go have fun and meet people. And I was in line and I met this girl and she was like, oh, I'm from Michigan. I was like, oh, I'm from Minnesota. Like I just moved here. So I was like, you know, that's like the card that I played everywhere. It's like, right, oh, I right. just moved here. Like show right. me around, whatever. Um, but yeah, you were said, working I, it. You were like, I need some dates. I need some. I, I work every, I still do, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't like attracted to anything. I was just like trying to be friendly. And friendly, then about, right. about an hour later, I was outside the bathroom and then she was by the bathroom was like oh hey like do you remember me like we spoke like an hour ago and she was like kind of like scrunching her nose like trying to remember who I was and I was just like I don't really know why you wouldn't remember this is real literally just happened And at the time I had like dark hair and like blonde bangs like you really couldn't miss me but whatever right right um and she's like oh oh yeah I think I know I think I know and I was like okay and then she pointed at me and she goes um, let me guess your name. And I was like, oh, I don't really like where this is going. And she was like, I bet your name is Chang. And I was like, wow. nope, that's not right. And then it got worse. She goes, no, let me prove it to you by Googling Chang and showing me that the people that show up on the Google search result looked like me. And I was like, what the, fu- where the fuck did I move? <laughs> that's like the first wow. thing I thought was like, where the fuck did I move to? It was just insane. And I was like, I was thinking like, oh, California is supposed to be this super like welcoming, you know, place where like 
diversity is praise and all of the shit. And I was just like, also from a fucking lesbian, I was like, this is insanity. And I was like, you are a bad person. <laughs> I was like, I will not go to the bathroom behind and, you. And, and I just, I don't know. I mean, I see it all the time with gay men constantly oh mm-hmm. you know rice queens and you know oh they're so effeminate and and but yet on the flip side then you know there's all these assumptions that get made in the lesbian community too about lots of different things mm-hmm. and it always brings me back to the space of for a community who so fucking badly wants to be embraced and loved and to be seen for just who we are we are the worst at giving that to our own. So judgmental. I, it's, it's probably just so much internalized, oh, yeah. you know, shit that they're just like, you know, if I felt like this is something, I need to make other people feel okay. like how I felt, even if they're my own people. Yep. You know? So that's got to be your next song. You got to write a song about, <laughs> you know, all the, all the queer judgment and all the self-hate and yeah. self-loathing. And actually that'd probably be a pretty depressing song. Well, it could be. It's, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's so prevalent. Sells. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It does. So, real quick before we wrap up here, so what's next for you? you got seasoned out. Do you, um, want, do you need? Do you need another pandemic to really like crank something I out, don't. or can you? Okay. I would rather not have one. I would like an anti-pandemic. Um, that would be great uh, for just everyone. I just finished writing what I think is going to be the next single I wrote it this weekend so I'm like cool. super pumped about that I have like a vision for it so I'll probably start recording that in a little bit so very cool maybe that'll come out in the next couple months but I can't awesome. promise anything yet okay well we will stay tuned we will definitely stay we'll tuned links it. to everything for you to connect with Christine is on the web page folks there's going to be a link to like go listen to seasoned over on Spotify and and just just take it in. I, I love, yeah, well, I love when something gets written that it's like, okay, this is, yeah, this happened. And it's not some sad, lonely love song, so to speak, but it it gives some cool insights into your world and how -hmm. you went through it. And um, just about being you and and being who you really want to be in the world. So uh, gotta do it. Gotta be you. So, so maybe we'll have to have another conversation once the next song comes out too. Yeah, for sure. I'd love I, to. I think we're slowly becoming best girlfriends here. So just saying, that, obviously putting it out there. And I think, is that a Peloton in your background? It is. Now? I just got it. Oh, do you have a Peloton? I, yes, I do. I don't ride it. Oh my God. Much. We it, got it during the pandemic and, and I had wanted one so bad. I'm like, I want to fucking Peloton. And I used to teach spin. So I'm like, I want it. Oh, I want geez. it. And now that I have it, I don't really like it. I love it. I've had it for about, I've had it for about three weeks now and it's like the best purchase. Yes. I I love the concept and everything, but I realize what's missing for me is -hmm. because I was a spin instructor. I need the people I need. I need to, well, center of tension. So I need to be the one on the Peloton (laughs) screen telling all you bitches, get your, you know, do your thing. But I do love it because it's so convenient. It's like, okay, I feel like going and doing this. In fact, if my husband wasn't on the phone, I'm kind of done for the day. I'd be like, okay, bitch, out of the room. It's time for me to, you know, I used to be here in my office because it was like, okay, it's right there. When I'm done, you can, you know, but then he had, he had the same complaints. Like, well, sometimes I'm done and you're still working (laughs) on it. Okay, well, I guess we need this is when we go. Okay, we need to get that bigger house then, after all, even though we just said <laughs> we just downsized because we don't need a big house. So, um, but anyway, but it, this has been really, really fun <laughs> talking to you. Yes, I agree. Know you mm-hmm. and okay, so I'm gonna have to find you now on Peloton and we'll become best yeah, buddies there. It's just so my we'll, name, Christine Sacco. Gotcha. Just 
add me for sure. I'm not anyone, tell you. anyone out there? Add I think me. <laughs> I think mine is what is mine? Ricky. Hmm. It was Ricky Racer, but I think I. Oh, I think it's it's either no excuses, no fears, or no fears, no excuses. I went with my whole brand thing about you any know, under any underscores or just all. I think one? it's all one word. Yeah. All right, yeah. I'll check. We'll find I'll each check. other. So cool. Very cool. All right, I'll let you get back to your beautiful San Diego life. Next time you get a lesbian Thank who like says. Chang, just <laughs> kick him in the ass and say, done with oh, you, I bitch. So, I will. But I really enjoyed this. This has been great fun. Yeah, Christine. me too. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. <laughs>